Good day, nerds, and welcome to episode 209 of the Nerd Cantina Show. I'm your host, Ken, joined by my co-host, Steve, and we're going to recap this week's nerd news. We're going to begin in entertainment with a little update to Doctor Strange and some video game news. Then we'll move over into tech, where we'll talk about some data collection, AI use, a bunch of NFT and crypto news, and then head over into some space talk. A lot to get to. Let's get started. Calling back all nerds. Nerds! All right. And episode 209. Let's get this uh, started with really not a lot of entertainment stuff going on. I think, I don't know, is, is this the lull before Maverick? Is that the next blockbuster? Boy, to come I got out? my tickets, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm super pumped. I know. I brought it up because I know how excited you are about Maverick. I'm excited too. I think I should be back from travel. For those who are, are wondering, you know, or, or questioning our, our mic quality or my mic quality, it's because I'm still traveling. Yeah, away don't don't put we in that motherfucker. Setup. Don't put yeah, we yeah. in that shit. I'm away from my normal microphone and, and setup uh, as I'm still traveling for work. But. I should be back this weekend, and I should see Maverick. Yeah, if if you guys knew the it. logistical nonsense that we put up with to to get this show out, like <laughs> you would honestly think that we have you know no lives and we just sit in the same room together and shoot the shit every you know week. That is not the case. We are thousands of miles apart. <laughs> <laughs> whole different time like this motherfucker's living in a future halftime we record yeah that's not it's not a lie i'm i'm, I'm across the international date line so <laughs> let's i'm recording with a time traveler y'all but uh let's let's go ahead and jump into some entertainment talk we've got just some i don't know light topics to talk about but let's let's talk about dr strange multiverse of madness we gave our review last week about it uh it was kind of a eh, all right, <laughs> good enough uh, Marvel movie. Nothing great, but this week it, it's still topping all the box office. Really, nothing competed against it this week. Uh, but it, it's to- so far rung up six hundred eighty-eight million dollars in uh, in global sales. You know, it's almost a billion dollar movie. Yeah, I, as it's going to continue to progress, is that surprising you? It surprises the hell out of me. I saw an IGN list of all the Marvel movies that Doctor Strange has beaten. In the theater, and it beat like Winter Soldier. It's be- like like there were some good Marvel movies on that list. I we we you have to take everything post pandemic with a grain of salt, right? Like there there was a time pre pandemic when I had my movie pass and AMC A list where there was at least a good movie a week to go see. You know, something that that I could write a review on, something that was worth talking about. That's not the case right now. Okay, so you're you're taking the post pandemic as lack of competition, but for the most part, the mo- like the data actually shows that the post pandemic has just shown less people willing to go into the theater. You look at right now during Doctor Strange, uh, like China is like dealing with a significant to them significant COVID outbreak where like Shanghai and major cities have still been like completely Locked shut down, down yeah. that, which is one of the, is the second largest uh, movie market in international uh, sense. And they're still shut down. And for them to do this, I like, yeah, I get it. They do have less competition uh, as what you would normally see in kind of like coming into the summer blockbuster season. But at the same point, 
there's less moviegoers and for them to do this i think is impressive not well i mean it is impressive but at the same time i think it goes a lot to like faggy's design of like these movies aren't standalone movies anymore if you want to know what the fuck is going on in the marvel cinematic universe you better go see this movie and if you don't go see it opening weekend internet assholes are gonna fuck it up for you so yeah you know what i'm saying like i I think that is a major driver the fact that and and this movie was so vague in what it actually was gonna be it's like you know dr strange in the multiverse of madness like we're we're, we've gone we've just kind of like dipped our toe into the multiverse stuff and with how successful spider-man's multiverse was i think everybody just wanted to see what the fuck was gonna happen in this like i i believe they they did a lot of really good publicity hype before this as well because there's no fucking way this movie was better than winter soldiers none but winter soldier came out in a different era in a different time i don't i I don't know. I can't really explain why this movie is doing so well. Like, I mean, you can. Like, it's it's Marvel. It's it's the next in the series to carry the torch of the story along. You know, like yeah. And you I, heard I think- Patrick Stewart's voice in the trailer. Like, so you got you like <laughs> people went in with some like really high hopes on shit. I, I think some of the more surprising things, though, to me about its box office stuff is honestly, I thought I expected it almost to take a hit. As far as we talk about how strong the elements of like horror were in this. And I actually thought that was going to play negatively against him. Like I thought, Hey, word was going to get out. Like, don't take your fucking kids to this movie. Like, they're going to have nightmares. Man, parents they're, don't like, give a fuck about the these kids. They <sighs> fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe this is where like, hey, I, I'm a soft ass parent and I keep my kids sheltered. Uh, so maybe this is, this is more of a, of a reflection on, <laughs> on how I treat these things. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought they were going to take a bigger hit, and I, I didn't expect it to hold up to. You know, I think I'm it glad hasn't yet though. I'm glad Batman, movies are but it's six... about to pass the Batman. Well, it uh, should be Batman at least. No, I see. I don't know. I get it. It's MCU. MCU is king, but the Batman is still like it still just draws people every time. And I, I really, I, I'm actually surprised to hear in week two it's about to beat the total run of the Batman. Well, and just like how you said there a lot of people are watching movies at home it's harder to get people to go to the theater now try to get to the people to go to the theater for three three fucking hours <laughs> like, like, like you some know, of it was painful painful fuck you batman fans yeah <laughs> rat with wings you fucking moron it's a bat it's a fucking bat <laughs> stool pigeon i wanted to smack that fucking fool <laughs> but yeah i mean I think it's good for Marvel. It's good for movies. I, I think we need to to ramp up like the we, we were coming out with these pretty pretty quick. I, I I mean I do honestly think it's it has a little bit to do with the competition because there's there's a big lull in the amount of movies coming out because of pandemic filming. Like like right now we're in that window of you know movies come out around two years after they've been shot you know with editing yeah. and stuff like that so we're we're hitting the shutdown era right so so movies that were about to start being filmed during the shutdown would be coming out right now and i think we're gonna you know with the lack of i mean there's there's usually a an animated kids movie that comes out 
every you know two a month, one a month. They don't have to compete with that. They you know there's you know WB had had to halt some of their shit. So Batman was really the only competition. You know Top Gun was supposed to come out a year and a fucking half ago. I, yeah, I mean I, I mean I agree. The lack of competition, like any chance that Maverick next week doesn't unseat them as number one and like. Doctor Strange kind of falls significantly this week. No, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I could see enough. it just because, like, this movie was made for, like, me, man. Like, I'm 40. Oh, yeah, I'm fucking yeah. no, 42. I, I think- this movie was made for me. There's there's a whole shit ton of, like, a whole generation that don't give a fuck about Top Gun. Yeah. No, I, I think they're going to have a strong showing. The, so, I mean, you, you I, I show you show is, a fucking Zenial the volleyball scene. They're gonna think Dad had some, you know, homosexual tendencies at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your uh, your guess now? Over under, right? Let's call six hundred eighty eight million dollars in the first two weeks of Doctor Strange, Thor, which is the next MCU movie, right? Yeah. Over or under Doctor Strange after two weeks. Under. You think under. I think under. I don't you think, think Doctor Strange has a bigger pull than. I think. Than, I think uh, the multiverse. I think the multiverse like teaser. I think the curiosity level of what this movie was going to be is way higher than what the next Thor is. Like I, I you know, what they've kind of showed in the that. previews of Thor. Like I don't think it's as important to see, and a lot of people might just wait. I can see that. Uh, all the Thor. It has its own draw for all the reasons that I don't like Thor. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people do like Thor. Dark World, yes, Dark I, World I can... burns some bridges. <laughs> dark, dark, dark World burns sure. some bridges. <laughs> but you know, yeah, Multiverse of Madness. I think it did draw a lot of people because they felt like it was going to have significant implications towards the MCU franchise that they love. Thor very much seems like. It's just and, an and honestly, to like Chris it, Hemsworth it, to tell his fucking jokes it, and to be yeah. weird with Chris with with, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. uh, who's the other one? Uh, yeah, you know, Star Lord, Chris Pratt. Uh, yeah, Chris Pratt. Like it just looks like it's just an excuse to get them to tell jokes together. Like, <laughs> like that's it. No implications whatsoever. It didn't do shit. All. <laughs> did we talk. Like, we we did. We did talk about that though, as kind of in a non-spoilery way. Like it was very much a movie it, that it, it took felt, place it felt in a much bubble. Short. It fell much short of of what the expectations that you would you thought it was going to have for MCU. It did open some doors with with the cameos that they threw into it, but those cameos were so they they just were so unsatisfying. They were just there and gone in uh, such a heart. I know. I was so pumped to see Black that, Bolt, and then it was like, why? Uh, like, why did you was, do this to me? It, there was just so much. Yeah, like it, it had hints at implications. But there's nothing you can actually draw from it as far as the future. But just of the even MCU. even how it affected the rest of the world of the Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like it didn't affect anybody but the small group of people that were in the movie. Right? It yeah, didn't... you can write away. You can write away all any implications in it. You can write it away as just one off things. Like it's there's nothing lasting in there. Nothing that has to be lasting. It's just really what the fuck ever. Kevin Feige wants to do with it. Yeah, which which is I, I think that's not what people were expecting. They were expecting this to shake the shit right, out of something. To merge multiverses. Yeah, you thought by the end of, you thought by like the end of the movie there was just going to be like X Men standing there waiting for their next movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know I mean? You're like, I'm sitting here, like, and it's like, no, no, everything's in a different universe. Don't worry about it. Don't I worry did. About it. Yeah. I did watch. Um, like so, I, I found kind of a plot hole. I was watching Spider Man 
uh, Far From Home. And Gyllenhaal, as Mysterio, makes reference that he's from a different universe, and he calls this universe Earth-616 and says he's from a different universe. So how the fuck do you know the number? Like, Strange in them didn't know the number till he got to a different universe, met his that fucking... That wasn't the number that they gave this Yes, it is. 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 Maybe. Yes, it is. I didn't think it was what it was. But either way, like, how the fuck do you know the number of this universe when it was somebody else in a different multiverse that started mapping out all the different multiverses? I don't know if we can get down this rabbit hole right now. No. Uh, (laughs) Let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. (laughs) I found it, though. If I I found it, somebody in the Cantina group, go ahead and, and try to explain that one away to me. All right. A little more entertainment. Let's just talk about, uh, you know, a quick little article about how video games have an unexpected effect on uh, on kids' IQ. Yeah, I like and this article just because of our friend Rachel Cohort, you know, that we had on the show. Like, this just kind of supports everything that we talked about in that can- Cantina conversation, what, about three years ago? Yeah, and I, it says unexpected. Yeah, like who the fuck IQ. isn't expecting and this shit anymore? I, I think at this point in time, like there, there's a there's a, a moving consensus. I, I don't know if it's a, con- a fully consensus, right? I don't know if it's more more than less uh, that agree that it's good. But I, I I do think some regulated video game stuff is becoming kind of the norm, and I think people are starting to recognize like there's nothing you're going to do in the real world that's going to simulate how fast you have to create response times and think through problem sets and stuff like that as compared to video games like you can do anything you want in the real world but you don't think as fast uh and there's there's true links that are being seen uh through studies as far as neurological activity uh response times and boost to intelligence that is caused from some of those things well and, and just like how many and how many rpgs public. are just full of crazy kind of puzzles to get the next door open so you can get to the next level and like like you have to really think for some of these games and really kind of like have have good spatial recognition and I just don't understand why we're surprised about this anymore like why video games have to be like this neg- net negative you know what i mean like of course yes they can be they can be mind sucks and pointless and and stuff like this but even more so, I think they are constructive. I think the video games overall are a net positive when it comes to social aspect, you know, spatial recognition, hand-eye coordination, critical thinking, problem solving. Like, these are all skills that are exercised, and kids don't realize they're doing it because they're having fun. Like, I think that's even the better aspect of it is that you know, a lot of times I could watch my daughter playing a video game and she's having a ball and I, I just, I can realize that like, you're fucking learning and you don't even fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the only thing I don't like about this, this study is one, it's a study of, of IQ in video games. And I, IQ isn't really a, a good a, benchmark. It's, it's not a good benchmark and it's kind of a dangerous study, right? Cause IQ is normally not so. Ideally, the design of IQ is it's it's a test of your ability to learn, not what you've learned. So yeah, I had I had my daughter take an IQ test. I was quite like surprised as to what that entailed. Yeah, so to say that like video games raises your IQ, it it raises your your baseline of potential intelligence is 
is kind of a weird study, right? Uh, in the sense of, of what IQ tests. It's not necessarily so how smart you are. It's how smart can you be? Right. And video games shouldn't make you like a lot of times people think that, you know, IQ is, it's almost like it's genetic. It's, it's kind of your baseline as a person. Um, so I don't, I'm not a big fan of this. And ultimately the, the test only saw it. T- it was five thousand children, so it wasn't a small sample size, but it was it was a sample size of five thousand children. And it saw a two and a half point IQ uh, rise for kids that played on average two and a half hours a day of TV and video games. But uh, what I'll take from this though is that if it was a negative, they would be doubling down on all the fucking rhetoric. Kids, yeah, video games are are, are the devil. Yeah, they would have been du- so. Dumb. So just the fact that it was a little higher, like you're talking two points. It's really not that big of a deal. But the the win you need to take from this is the fact that this study didn't do any more, you know, to the detriment of video games. I I think we've talked about here in the show more helpful studies that have come up uh, about uh, like actual cognitive function and like response time and stuff like that. There's other things we've talked about that are more tangible towards like learned behavior, whereas IQ is more innate intelligence capacity. so I, I actually don't like this one just because I, I, I don't like the implications that it's that it's say, stating about raising your IQ. Whereas I, I think the ones that make more sense to me. Well, you could you could just like look at it as is it's good brain and, exercise. So if you're exercising your brain sure. more, you might have a capacity to learn a little more because you know your brain is a muscle. You do need to exercise it. Um, so the fact that you're doing like daily. Daily brain exercises can raise the capacity for your your learning ability and stuff. So I, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it as W, right. and we We're can move it on. W. Video game nerds, <laughs> rejoice. Play games with your kids, and, uh, and and don't let everybody shame you about it. And if you ain't got that new Lego Star Wars, man, I'm telling you, that shit is bomb. <laughs> Still on the Lego that Star Wars. That shit is bomb. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's jump out of entertainment and video games. Let's start talking some tech as we've got several tech topics to, to, to discuss. And first up, let, let's hit some general tech topics as I normally go straight into NFT crypto, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ease into Dang, it today. It goes balls uh, deep right into, right into crypto. <laughs> yeah, no. So let's just go into uh, some general tech topics. First one up is an interesting article coming out of uh, Ars Technica about how the top 100,000 websites, right? Like, <laughs> I don't even, like, I would want to see what is the, you know, the 99,999th top website. Like, what obscure ass website is that one? But out of the top 100,000 websites, uh, there's a significant por- amount that collects everything that you type before, whether you hit submit, whether you finish a form, whether whatever else. Uh, but it's, they, they've proven that your keyboard inputs are being captured by these key loggers that are allowed onto these websites. So, you know, the, where the implications are is, you know, how many times have you gone into a newsletter or into uh, something that, that you wanted to input information and, and maybe you typed in, typed in some information, but you, you just didn't feel comfortable hitting send. Like, no, nah, I don't want to give you my email address and all that stuff. And you, and you close out at that point in time. Well, they've already captured it. They, they don't care whether you hit cement, uh, submit or not. Uh, as well as other ones where maybe you fill out multiple forms in order to get a, you know, a quote or you, in order to get to the next step or whatever else and how they've got multiple pages to get to the end. But you get to the end and hey, maybe it costs too much money or it's terms aren't something you want to agree to or whatever else and you back out at that point in time. It is significantly well proven, uh, that all that data you typed in 
whether you moved on to the next screen, whether you whatever else, all you had to do was click off of that text box and end your session in that text box, and that text box was captured and recorded by that website. I mean, whether you wanted it to or not, are we are we really surprised by this anymore? Like, like I, I mean, we talk about it because I, I, think, I think I think we need I to drive to the home scope that they talked about it. Well, we like the reason why I I like doing these stories is we really need to drive home to the audience and the general public that we need data privacy laws. We need what verbiage on the books of what is ethical and what isn't ethical. Like you know, they we got the we got the the cookies warning. You know what I mean on every website now. So yeah. now you're just clicking away cookies. But at least at least it's transparent, right? Like you, if you want to go to the site, you have to click the cookies thing. You're gonna give up the cookies. They were doing it automatically before. But at least there's transparency involved. Nothing's really changed other than the fact that now everybody kind of knows what like what is happening and i think i think we need to get to at least that point with every situation of data mining like you like it it, should be transparent of what you're taking like look you could say hey you don't pay for this service if you want to log in then you're gonna have to be okay with us sending xyz to abc that's fine i'll click okay but at least you know, give me the choice. Give everybody the choice because there are people out there that this does bother and I don't blame them, you know, and they might choose to not go to your website. Give them that option. I, I agree. There's there, there's two things in this article uh, and the findings that uh, that they have that I, I, I want to highlight as specifically alarming uh, or interesting. Uh, one alarming, one interesting. First one, the alarming one. Uh, in at least 52 of the websites sur- surveyed, They'd found that third-party uh, kind of plugins on the websites were doing key logging uh, to the point that they were confirmed that they were capturing the password passwords and username and shit, data yeah. you were typing in. So, like, it, this is where like reusing passwords and stuff like that. Like, you're not supposed to do it, but we all fucking do, right? Like, we all have that favorite fucking password that we just that we use for everything. And what these third-party things were doing was capturing when it asked you to create your own password, your new password. They're capturing it. Well. If you reuse that password, they can reuse that. Well, yeah, and if these if these websites ever get hacked by by you know mischievous hackers, then their all their key logging data is now on the fucking dark web, and you know, and and it's right. And and, and let's be honest, like as a society, I could barely remember my kids' fucking birthdays. You want me to have thirty fucking passwords? Like you really want me like. Like, this goes back to that other story. No, yeah. give me a fucking eye scan. Give me a goddamn eye scan. Fucking thumbs for, like, my phone fucking scans my whole fucking face. Why am I still remembering uppercase, lowercase, special fucking character bullshit? Well, in these specific instances, these are third parties. So it's not even the website you're transacting with and you're hoping that that website doesn't get hacked. It's the fact that these websites allowed other third parties to attach on uh, that many of them that were going to specific Russian tech giants that were collecting those passwords and usernames that have nothing to do with that website that you think you're transacting with they're just atta- they're just add-ons to that site and they're yeah. doing the key logging yeah uh so like that's a specific alarming and then the the very interesting one that i wanted to talk about was the fact that they also found that of the website survey that that were uh most abusing kind of these key logging aspects almost a little less than two times the amount of websites found uh, victim do- were, were doing it with U.S. usernames and emails 
and only half as many EU or other countries uh, emails and keylog strokes getting recorded. And this is because EU actually has data privacy laws that these websites don't want to fuck with. So they're capturing two times as many uh, IP addresses and people that are reported coming from the United States uh, because we could do it. They could do whatever the hell they want to us. We don't own any well, data. Like legit, as we sit here in our recording in my in the mail, I am about to receive a four hundred and something odd dollar check from Facebook for violating facial recognition laws of Illinois. Like we signed up for that oh, settlement. That's the next topic. <laughs> we we signed up for that for that topic or that uh that lawsuit. It's been years, you know. Like it all takes a lot of time. But sure as shit, I got a couple Benjamins coming from Zuckface, you know, because he likes to fucking rape your data. So I I mean it. We just we really need to get to a point where somebody in government is at an age like. It's really frustrating because, like, the average age of Congress still isn't even our age, and we were like the first generation to have computer labs in school. So the the majority of the people making these decisions and writing these laws didn't even go to fucking school with computers. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. how can we how can I mean, we really yeah, expect how can we really expect anybody to like really be pushing these issues? Not to mention, government just fails at all kinds of fucking shit. But we, we, these companies aren't going to, to police themselves. There's just too much money in data. The, the bottom line is, is that they don't, that they're just not going to give a shit, man. They have shareholders to own up to. And if, if taking your keystrokes and your browser history and your, you know, biometrics and your fucking whatever the fuck else they want that they can make money off of, if taking it is going to get them a penny, they're going to do it until someone says, Hey, buddy. Why don't you chill out there? Yeah, and that's why I find it interesting to bring up is the fact that it's not that European data privacy laws prevent everything or whatever else, uh, and and they they aren't the perfect solution towards letting us own our own digital identity and digital data. But it's getting them it's to hesitate. Yeah. To at least a fifty percent capability, right? Yeah, like right? at least you know reduced it by fifty percent. So it's it's good enough to. It's a start to de-incentivize companies from from just capturing whatever the hell they can because at some point in time the EU passed laws that said mm, enough bad players that it's not worth the risk of getting caught up with EU litigation. The U- United States should at least be at that level. That's all. Like let's start there and then let's later shift to actual like digital ownership and digital right ownership to our own data. Yeah, but if if you watch but, anything about our current government, you have no hopes. <laughs> like, no hopes for this <laughs> whatsoever. But you already hinted at the next topic. But let's let's go ahead and discuss. Uh, you know, Clearview AI uh, in this week's most recent updates. Uh, Clearview AI agreed to to restrict U.S. sales uh, of facial recognition. And Clearview AI, for, for those who really were not paying attention at all to the tech space, uh, Clearview AI for about a year and a half ago, uh, was, was really in the news because what they did was scrape all of the public domain images through Facebook and Twitter and everything they could in order to build profiles, uh, that they can sell for facial recognition of every picture you've ever been tagged in, every picture that, that can be identified back to you. They built that as a profile so that way they can use it for facial recognition, not only for like law enforcement and for other things, but for like other companies to target you. Uh, 
well, Clearview AI this week, they're they're not dead yet. Like we all thought they were going to die. Like they had such bad publicity. Uh, there was a lot of negative space uh, going at going at them. They lost their ability to access databases like Facebook and stuff like that. Well, Clearview AI is still going strong with the facial recognition game. Uh, this week, they just agreed to restrict all U.S. sales uh, to facial rec- recognition uh, software only given to law enforcement, which is still just so far removed from where like we want to see uh this this stuff go like a, a company should not be able to scrawl all of the internet of any instance of your face and then sell it to the government to get you caught up in some legal shit uh i guess it's better than them giving it to everybody uh but you're also giving it to the you know the government who i don't know like that, that's what privacy rights and stuff like that and fourth amendment rights and like are supposed to protect us against and those it's probably not where we want it to be yeah i mean this subject usually gets me triggered and i'm not trying to to go off on that rant again for for everybody the the, the fact that because he's got that facebook money coming in that's why well i mean <laughs> i i signed up for that lawsuit because it's some straight bullshit like it's no it's one thing that you're you're building up this data but then you're giving it to the cops like you fucking narcs like what the fuck like <laughs> like, like that that that's what really like and burns I like they me. They, they're restricting U.S. sales. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Restricting U.S. sales to only law enforcement, right? Because in U.S. now the data privacy, but but anywhere else in the world that doesn't have those same rules, they're going to sell your facial data to oh, whoever for the sure. hell they want. If you're some Muslim in a Muslim country protesting some of the you know whatever god awful horrific bullshit they're doing in that country, they're gonna find you, man. Like, like it's, it's like the implications about this, like it just, the ethics behind it are just so shitty, you know, like, like, and and like the cops need any more help to fuck you over. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the NSA, like we, we, we have like all kinds of like every time, every couple months we get a story of just like how bad the world is spying on you as a human. Cause God forbid that you just can exist on this planet without being babysat by some other piece of shit that thinks they know what's best for you and whatever municipality you live in. Yeah, it, it just it's it's just such a fucked up ethical conundrum that we could have private entities like yeah. There's I've always said there's two things that shouldn't be profit driven in this country: healthcare and and the 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 you know, police system. Like you should not have an incentive to make me sick and you should not have a profit incentive to make me a criminal. You know, and I think this tiptoes down that line very fucking closely of like, hey man, like like there's bad people out there and we're gonna scan all these faces and we're gonna sell them to the cops. And if you're an innocent person that gets mixed up in that, sorry about it, but we don't give a shit. We're making money over here. Like I, like I, I fucking, I, I just hate those two premises, and I feel that this goes along that second one of companies profiting on yeah. trying to make me a criminal. Yeah, and I, I'm also, I, you know, I'm not even a shitty person. I'll be a shittier person and say that it's not even about like protecting the potential innocent that might get caught up. It's also about protecting the guilty, uh, in the sense of like whatever, protect them up to the point that like the. Their, their rights have been stated and you know, search and seizure rights exist. Yeah, this, exists. this like it, technically like, kind of like sub, is a way to subvert a constitutional right. Right. Like, like there's, there's, I'm not saying that I'm a criminal today. 
I'm also not saying I'm never going to be against my government. I got two I don't daughters. Know what my government's going to be 40 years from now. <laughs> yeah. like, I, don't, I don't know where this I, shit's going to be. I got two daughters. There might come a day where I don't want to leave any DNA evidence behind. Okay? Like, you fuck around with my kids, you're going to find out. Like, and I am not trying to leave breadcrumbs before I even commit the crime, okay? Like, I'm not trying to do that shit. I don't have no 23andMe. I don't have no Ancestry.com. I ain't giving you my DNA. I ain't giving you my eye spatial fucking distance. I don't want no one to have any of that shit. Because when I got to mask up and bury that body because you fuck with my fucking kids... I'm not giving you a head start. I'm not fucking giving you a head start. I don't give a shit. You always take this to such a deep, dark place. I always, re- I always regret. I always regret like moving conversations in certain directions because it just it, it goes to a point of no return, and we just have to move on to the next topic. Um, <laughs> There's dads out there all over the place that feel me a hundred percent on this. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. I was going with more of a of a constitutional right. Against the potential overreaching of an authoritarian I'm going government with the situation with, like, that's most likely going to happen in my life. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm going with the most probable situation that's going to oh. fuck me over. All right, let's talk about some crypto, huh? <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, the dark, the dark times we live in. <laughs> All right, we're still, still in a. In a healthy bear market these days, uh, crypto, if, if you're a, a crypto fan and you, you're still not feeling good about it right no, now. No. Uh, although like I, I feel fine. Uh, I feel like I, I'm this, this is a test of how degenerate you really are. Yeah. And I'm full on degenerate. Like I don't even think twice about it. I don't really don't give a shit. We testing them diamond hands right now. Real good. I, I feel, we testing I, them I, I feel all right. And I, I just hope that I. We're, we're finding out who yeah, got Zircon hands. Well enough to buy more. <laughs> we're we like, finding out who got do, Zircon but... hands real fast. But no, I, I, I feel, I, I 100% feel for, for those that, uh, that may feel a bit overextended well, I, at this I, point like, in time for, for like the, if you had plans for this money in the near future and you don't know when it's going to come back, I feel for you. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a tough time. Uh, and, there's never a shortage of scams. Also, trying to hit you twice. Bear market hits you once. Scams hit you twice. And uh, the the latest ones were these pop up ads and stuff coming targeting MetaMask users. And it was a uh, kind of an exploit into Google Ad services that was you know whatever Google Ads can target any activity you've ever done on the internet. So it's pretty easy if somebody in Google Ads is wants to target people who have metamask access right they can find who has the metamask extension uh plugin on their chrome browsers and all that stuff and ultimately they were able to to use kind of an an outage time to go in and start targeting individuals with pop-ups uh through google ads when people went to websites like CoinGecko and Etherscan and these websites that are very heavily trafficked, that have very much crypto purposes only uh, for people to, to go in there. And then they were getting hit with these targeted things about minting specific uh, NFT apes and these other different scams that were coming. And they were going solely after people with MetaMask uh, access. Well, and this they kind got of, plenty. Like, this kind of falls in line with that same like 
once you hit a certain popularity, you got to expect the hackers to come with, you know, like, like Apple didn't have that large of a PC share. So there, you know, Apple used to always say like, we don't have any viruses. It was like, well, there's not enough Mac users for these hackers to create a virus for Macs because it's not as beneficial. You know, MetaMask yeah. is becoming one of the larger NFT wallets and crypto wallets. So now, Hackers are starting to see the benefit of going after a MetaMask, you know, rather than a Coinbase or, or, you know, these other wallets that are out there. So, I mean, yeah, this was coming up to pipeline, I think. And honestly, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to lose any money. But if you went into Etherscan or CoinGecko and you went on those websites and something flashed across your screen to mint something and you actually tried to do it. All right. You might want to just leave Web three. You're not ready for it. <laughs> like this is this is not. It's honestly not a very well crafted scam. There's plenty of ones that I think like, ooh, there's there's a chance that that one might have gotten me had it come across me at the right time, right moment of of weakness before my morning coffee or whatever else. This one where you go to a website that has nothing to do with minting activity or wallet activity, and you're prompted to do something with your wallet and you follow through, like, ooh, you. Yeah. Put your MetaMask away. You're the, you're Give somebody same, else your seed phrase until you're ready for it. You're the same dude that's at a you know a, a concert and some random sketchy dude walks up and tells you to take this pill and you're just like, sure, bump. <laughs> like, why would you, why would you do that? Like, you don't know where that's been. Why would you do that? I don't know. Free drugs. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, so, you have no like you you have no impulse control. Like, slow down. Read something. Dude. dude. Yeah, the, the data hasn't come in on this one. I haven't seen anything that captures exactly how much money was stolen from this one or, uh, or whatever. Uh, you know, but some of these, again, other ones like the, the one that happened with, uh, with OpenSea recently was had like $1.7 million captured, uh, by scammer, the scammers in a day. Uh, I haven't heard anything at those numbers. I bet this one's probably in the 10,000, tens of thousands of numbers. I, I'd be surprised if it was in the hundreds of thousands of numbers. Uh, but it's still just, you know, PSA, don't, interact with anything with your crypto wallet ever unless you deliberately went to that site and knew that that site was good before you got there like otherwise stay away if you don't know what i'm talking about we're don't talking have to a you. metamask we're talking yet. to you we're talking to you when you're ready we're talking specifically to you <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move, let's move on. We got some more stuff. Uh, we got some updates to to some other things. Like uh, you know, we'll just say, hey, last week when we recorded, we recorded later than we normally do. Uh, like we literally recorded on Wednesday morning to release our podcast Wednesday morning. We were watching like live time the fall of Luna Terra, uh, and it has not looked good for it. I, I guess the only real update is man, if you man. had significant money in Luna. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that is such a terrible fall. Uh, but what I will say is we talked about it last week and I said that the toughest thing about the crypto industry is yes, a lot of people lost a lot of money. I mean, at the time or, you know, just prior to them crashing, uh, UST or Luna, they, they were like the fourth most popular cryptocurrency. Like they, they, this was a significant hit financially. But to me, the biggest hit was the fact that they were a stable coin. And when a stable coin falls, that equals regulation. That equals like governments having to step in and, and try to figure out like how to protect people. This is the asset that's not supposed to fluctuate. And when it does like this and it crushes and kills people like this, this is where the government has to step in to protect consumers. Like, yeah, it didn't and fluctuate. Here, it fucking it died. died. Yeah. 
and you know Luna's trying to restore. And if you bought some Luna over the last couple of days, like like there was a, I think it was like three days ago that Luna, if you would have bought some, it went up like two thousand percent in a day. So if you bought that, if you caught that very bottom, good for you. But just understand, your the longer you hold it, like that's exit exit liquidity for somebody. Somebody's going to leave you holding that bag. Uh, it, it does not have good fundamentals to stick around for the long term. Even though like the Luna founders and stuff are trying to. Hold up, but like government regulators across the world have been talking about Luna and UST, and that's what I talked about last week. Was this? That's the scariest thing about this. Like, hey, some shit coin fails that that had a speculative thing, like fucking Dogecoin fails, Shiba Inu fails, whatever else. Like, yeah. whatever those those were speculative in nature, limited use case. A stable coin fails, and it, and it and it causes a ripple effect to the industry, and it absolutely has. Uh, like Duquan, who is the the founder of it. Uh, has been summoned by the South Korean government to to stand to a trial to explain what the hell happened essentially uh, as as they are trying to to reel and understand uh, as, as South Korea has a significant uh, amount that invest into cryptocurrency as well as the U.S. government is looking into it uh, U.S. regulators are looking into it like this is where we start to see significant efforts towards regulation uh, especially on stable coins which is a threat to like the US dollar. The the whole point of stable coins is so that way when you want to take your money out of more risky cryptocurrency assets, you don't have to put in US dollars. You could put it somewhere else that is pegged to the US dollar value, but not leave the crypto ecosystem. Like this is where this is where the danger uh, on regulation and stuff comes in. And it, it just just as we talked about last week, we're we're seeing the ripple effects this week. Yeah, it it's it's so messed up because you know, it was it was supposed to be this coin where you know if, if you cash out your crypto, then you realize those gains and you have to pay taxes on them. So it was like a way to just like move some crypto over to a coin that's just not going to move for a while. So like if you, I'm not going to tell you not to pay your taxes on that because that is still a taxable event. <laughs> but but you continue your story. I you know, just want to make sure so, we don't get people caught up. So you move, you move, you know. You buy low, you sell it high, you, you want to move it into another crypto so that you don't realize those gains so you could transfer it back at the next low point, you know, and that UST was supposed to be a coin that just, just held, you know what I mean? It was like a savings account for crypto. Well, it, it was more than, it was also a savings account that paid you a 20% rate of return, whereas like, uh, Duquan had, uh, somebody broke into his home this week. And I've seen articles. I don't know how substantiated it is. I didn't dig into the to the full police reports and stuff like that. But it was reported that somebody broke into his home, and it was reported that the person who was arrested for breaking into his home was somebody that had two point three million dollars sitting into UST because it was earn that two point three million dollars was earning him twenty percent interest rate. Right? Like that's enough to live off of. You make twenty percent interest rate off of two point three million dollars, you never have to work a day in your life again. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're making a salary yeah. at that point in time in interest. And that person lost two point three million dollars because it went from two point three to about a hundred and twelve bucks yeah, in, in a twenty four hour period. So fucking crazy. <laughs> Like, like so fucking crazy like man you 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 take a nap and you go from a millionaire to just regular joe schmo with a couple hundred bucks like that is just fucking insane yeah so absolutely wild um so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what kind of. I, I think there's going to be more, right? Like I, I talk about you, the U.S., South Korea. Uh, there's other 
governments. I didn't pull all the articles down because uh, I didn't didn't want to talk about Terra Luna for for an hour. But there, there's a lot more ripple effects, and we'll we'll talk about them as they they come up and and have like significant threats toward the crypto industry. But it's definitely like it's a fascinating story, and if you haven't researched much into it, like there's plenty of good like YouTube videos and stuff, uh, and that capture what happened with uh, with Luna Terra. Uh, dig into it. it it's I don't know, it, it, it's a it's a wild uh, example of how quick things can uh, can happen in the space. So never put more into it than you're willing to lose because things might look good for a long time until they don't. Uh, let, let's uh, let's keep moving. Uh, we got several other topics still to talk about, and one I I'll talk about this for an hour straight. So uh, I guess I'll just briefly mention it in. NFT talk. We've got one big topic of of the the Azuki's this week, which is is just another thing. Like if you don't know what it is, uh, Azuki was a big NFT project that came out strong. Uh, they they were pretty innovative in uh, in the contract that they introduced and and wrote that has now kind of become a standard. Uh, they were a very community focused storytelling uh, NFT. Uh, there was a lot of great things that they did about it, including like the the way they rewarded their community through an airdrop and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of things that they did great, and the the price kept going up. A lot of people believed it was going to continue to go up, and it was going to be yeah, this was going to be the ne- yeah, this was going to be the next yeah. you know board apes. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's Zagabond, uh, the 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 founder, or really the most notable founder, there's several founders, but the most notable one, the one that, that people tend to, to know on Twitter and stuff like that, released this Medium article, uh, or I don't think it was Medium, I think it was a different website, but whatever, it's it's another like self-published article, uh, about him talking about like how he's learned along the way in Web3 and outlined three different projects that he claims to have been the founder of before getting to this point, like the Zunks, the Funks, and... The dunks? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what weird nugget-like thing that they had, but uh, it was three NFT projects that no longer had support from the founding team. No longer anything else. Like they are like almost the definition of rugs. They are failed projects that the founders pulled out. No longer continue to put effort or time into, but they still maintained control of the wallet. So even secondary sales on this failed project, they were still getting financial money kicked back to them over time. Uh, and he, he like admits that, oh, he, he learned so much from these previous projects and that's what built into the success of Azuki. And then people dug into it even deeper to where like one of the projects, uh, it was kind of in the time frame where there was a lot of NFT projects being hyped up because of having like women founders or being like supporting women, art, uh, female artists. And his Twitter handle that he was using at the time to promote that account was like Mandy something, whatever else, pretending to be a woman uh, to promote that project and trying to like ride that wave of female empowerment and stuff like that. Like, like as scummy as you can be in this, in the space. Uh, and like the Azuki one, the NFT world responded beautifully as far as calling this person out. But then this is where like, it's interesting that the incentives don't align. So what ends up happening is the value of Azuki's falls. People can't get out of it fast enough, so they start selling it. But it's still a high-value NFT. Even as it's falling, it's falling from 30 ETH down to 10 ETH. So people are still selling them in the 25 ETH all the way down to 10 ETH. And this guy's still raking in 3% royalties for every yeah, sale that's come in. Makes millions of dollars of people trying to get out of his project. He's still making millions of dollars. Uh, and then it falls down to, I, I think it gets down to just under 10 ETH. 
but it's back up. In the end, like there's still enough diamond handers holding it. There's still enough people in the community that are saying like, okay, well, we, we can't be punished as the people who are owning this. Like you're punishing us as the holders. You're reducing our liquidity, our asset value, uh, and enough of them held and enough, and it's bringing the value up. So now this guy makes millions of dollars on the sell down is making millions of dollars as it, the floor price goes back up. And it's like, I don't know. Where do you fall on this? Where, where are you supposed to be? You punish, you know, the, the founder who is making still money off of this, but in order to fully punish that person, what you burn the NFT so you know, he doesn't get any resale value. But all these people who have tens of thousands of dollars invested into this have are worth nothing now. It's such a shitty situation. And all I got to say is, just know who the founders are. This was a completely undocked team that they didn't announce who they were. You didn't know who the founders were. This is why you should know who the founders are. I don't buy into NFT projects that are on that are undocked. Like I, I want to know that you're at least a legitimate artist. You're at least a legitimate human being. And if you failed in the past, I at least know what your failure. Or just go in not giving a fuck, right? Like, or just not go in not giving a fuck. People, people make investments with shady people all the fucking time. Some people don't give a fuck if you were a dude trying to play a chick to make fucking money. As long as you're making me money, I don't give a fuck. You could, you could tell everybody you're a goddamn ninja turtle for all I give a shit. Make me some (laughs) Ethereum, motherfucker. Like I mean, yeah, there, there. You could go into it speculating, or you can go into it for the community and the art. But if you're going into it for the long term vision of the community, the art, the the prospects, you better know who's behind those prospects. Uh, and there's, there's just this is just a beautiful example of like why the founders matter because you can find yourself in a huge success, and then tomorrow find yourself in a in a falling failure when that founder is found out to be a scam artist from previous examples, like. The, this this is like the the perfect case for why founders and teams should be doxed. Uh, people invest with or, shady people all the time, all the time. The truth is, like, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, said, I don't want to get political, but I, I mean, we did have a president <laughs> that fucking <laughs> that that made a whole career out of these kinds of moves. It, I mean, <clears throat> the truth is, is. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't necessarily be discouraged from investing in a project from somebody who started something in Web3 and failed and they're starting something new. I, I, nece- I wouldn't necessarily walk away from that because to some degree, like serial, like serial entrepreneurs in the business space is a thing. Oh, you right? fail like 10 times before you have your 11th win. Yeah. Times, right. Like NFTs aren't going to be any different. They are, they are micro businesses. They are startup funds in yeah, a business. The, they, the business like, I support my family with is technically my second business. The first one, I ran into the fucking ground. Yeah, but so I like, learned, I learned a shit ton from that experience. And now I have a successful business. So failure isn't something to just write people off for. And, and honestly, you shouldn't like failure is very constructive for people that are ethical and and do want right. to do well so i think that like we can't have a, a space that that doesn't that completely like ostracizes anybody who's ever been a part of a project that didn't deliver like profit to people who bought their nft because there's no guarantee of profit in an nft like go fuck yourself if you if you're upset because you didn't make you didn't stack eth from buying your jpeg like check your expectations and leave the space if if that's the, if that's what you think you get, I mean, because essentially, it's essentially like getting mad that you didn't pull the fucking Babe Ruth card out of the baseball card pack. Like, sorry about it, yeah. man. That's it's, but not everybody gets the fucking, not everybody gets the fucking rookie card. You know, like it's just how it goes. So, 
again, I, I'll talk about this forever. I, I don't want to continue going down. The, the, we've got way too much left to talk yeah, about. We're, we're ending. We yeah, we, we got to speed round the rest of these. All right. We're, we're, speed round it up. We, I, I wouldn't even talk. Like, I, I got to talk about Madonna. Yeah, I was going to say, don't uh, skip this one. Don't skip this one. <laughs> I got to talk about Madonna because we're talking about NFTs. And I just want to let everybody know that, that Madonna was a part of of an NFT project this week with the single most lucrative NFT artist, Beeple. Uh, and one of them was sold for $175,000. Uh, and it is called the, what is it? Mother of nature, mother of technology, mother of creation, mother of nature, mother of technology. There was a series of them, but it's all fucking naked Madonna laying out and things just growing out of her vagina. Like it is her vagina as the mother of all of creation and all of these things. Uh, so the one that sold for the most, uh, again, almost $200,000, uh, was the mother of creation. I think it was. Or no, the mother of nature one sold the most, and, and it is literally a tree growing out of her vagina uh, in the most graphic way, three D way possible. Uh, and good on you, Madonna. Like if you if you are a sixty something year old woman still making money off your vagina, like I'm not mad at you. It, it's amazing, actually. It's it's <laughs> it's quite amazing. Like it, I just in. And to be like, how she still just keeps up this persona, you know what I mean? Like, at some point, like, I'm not saying that old women shouldn't be sexual and stuff like that. Like, no, nah, go ahead, you know, hoe up that retirement home. I don't give a fuck, <laughs> you know, but see, but don't this is where this is on you. This is on you taking Madonna's vagina as sexual, whereas she's taking it as birthing, right? Like, as, as nobody bought that because they give as, like, yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody <laughs> bought that. Like, this is you being fucking no, this is this is you. Yeah, I'm the asshole because the words dreams. Madonna and vagina. <laughs> are in the same fucking headline, okay? I grew up in the day where she put out a fucking sex book where she fucking was banging Dennis Rodman. Like, like, like for all the younger audience, you may not know much about Madonna, but, like, that that Vogue video with the see-through top made me a man, okay? <laughs> like, 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 so, so you put Madonna in vagina... In, in any kind of like headline, there's, there's no, there's no time where Madonna isn't sexual. Like she doesn't get to just make a coffee table book with her vag and then 40 years later be like, no, this is, this is about the, the, you know, the birth of life and, and, you know, expanding creation and like, nah, bitch, that's your vag. Okay. <laughs> that's a tree growing out of your hoo-ha. Okay. You got twat twigs. Okay. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what we know. Okay. And now, and now you're trying to profit it off of it with the most notorious fucking NFT creator. Like, like this, this wasn't some fucking like women empowerment movement. Like, no, you have Madonna vagina NFT step two, step three profit. Like, you don't get to just like claim like, no, no, sorry about it. Nope. Nope. Uh, uh, I'm not the bad guy here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's, let's keep moving here. Speed round. He says speed round. Uh, let's, let's just, let's just get through these last, uh, last couple things here. Yep. Yes, uh, we got we, we got, we got a couple must stories. Yeah, 
little Elon updates to to Twitter. Uh, so the Twitter deal has not gone through yet, and there are some. Oh, it'll be well, it'll uh, be a long year is, of talking about these. This is going to be like the ugliest like acquisition back and forth. So we'll just give updates along the way. This there's two of them this week. First is that uh, the, the Elon says that the Twitter deal can't proceed until the CEO can prove that the platform has less than five percent fake accounts. So. I guess the deal's never going to go through, like because you know there's more than five percent fake troll accounts on Twitter and bot accounts out on Twitter. Uh, like th- that's absolutely like this is Elon's way of like forcing the CEO to come out with a press release talking about how many bot accounts they have. Yeah, he's or trying to force transparency. To the fact that they have no idea. Right, so he's trying to. F- this is a shitty way to do business, right? This is a shitty way to buy out of a company. I think Elon is just setting himself but up to not. never buy Twitter, but just eat. It is absolutely it is. no because the and evaluation of that of the dollar amount he's paying for the company is based on the amount of users. Sure, but all that shit is hidden under an NDA, right? Which is the next story of Elon Musk being in Twitter accusing him of violating the NDA over these bot claims and stuff like that, like. The due diligence you do behind the curtain when you start peeking into their books and you start looking into their stuff, that is all protected under an NDA. That is not public data. That is not public information. Elon is making this a spectacle to where he's just going to get sued by Twitter. He's going to pay the fine and he's going to consider it money worth well spent because he is rich as fuck and doesn't care. And ultimately, I bet he doesn't buy Twitter, and he's just going to force them into uncomfortable situations, press releases, and accountability. And I think he's fine with that. But the way he's going about this is not well. It's a win-win it's for him because either he owns it and he does it himself, or he backs them in a corner and forces them to do it. Right? Like it's a win-win for Maybe. Elon. Maybe, uh, but it's again, this is not smart ways you go about buying things as a business person. This is a smart way you go about fucking a company you don't like. Like this is, it, it all depends but, on what you're I trying mean, to do. I mean, there is a point that says, like, look, you say you have X amount of users. I'm going to take away the ad model and start charging a small subscription fee to a certain amount of users, heavy users. Like the data you have on the amount of users isn't correct. I will not purchase this until you give me the correct fucking number. I, I don't. Again, yeah, doing that behind closed doors is fine. Tweeting about it on the service that you're trying to buy and you're calling out, again, bad ethical business practices. But I'm good with it either way. Like, I really don't give a shit if Twitter is ever owned by Elon. Uh, it, like, if Elon just wants to eat a, a big, heavy, expensive lawsuit later when Twitter sues them, sues him for violating NDAs and business practices, like, I'm good with it. I don't care. But, I mean, to, to his defense, like, this is the most publicized acquisition of my lifetime. Like, you hear about a company, Disney, buying Fox and stuff like that, but you never get these kinds of details about the acquisition. No, because it's all protected by an NDA. That's why I say Elon's getting sued. <laughs> but, so, like, so we don't know what's in the NDA, right? Like, we, we can guess. Like, we don't know what's in the NDA. So we can't necessarily verify well, we that know that twitter is we know that twitter has stated that he's violated the nda and so we know, know that elon is either saying that he's fucked it and elon may feel that he hasn't like yeah there's two sides to it like we you're gonna take twitter's word for it yeah probably uh, like <laughs> probably on this one if you twitter twitter it's has way been more, a company it's way that, more believable hit, that elon's going above and beyond what's legally it, uh, required no, then. Elon lives in the gray area. 
Okay. Oh, he lives that. in the gray area of SEC violations. In, <laughs> like, I was going to say of violations. Yeah, he doesn't like, live in the gray area. No, like, he, he, li- he, lives in the, he lives in the slap on the wrist area. Like He lives on the other side of the gray area where it is bad, but it's not so bad. He's stealing penny candy. He's stealing penny candy. He's stealing penny candy. You won't be mad at him. <laughs> All right. All right. Speed round. Uh, we got a couple space stories to to hit to, this week, and the first one we went to deep, but Boeing just keeps taking hits on uh, on their Starliner program. We might get a Boeing Starliner launch this week. It's still potentially gonna gonna go uh, to the International Space Station as the last one just sailed off into the into the space and never made it to where it was supposed to go. Uh, and then it's had multiple failed. Uh, attempts at, at being able to go because of valve issues that they've had that's failed pre-flight tests uh and then last week it was getting moved towards its next launch and like there was images and pictures of like shit just falling off of it as it was being moved to the launch site uh and like the company boeing is taking some significant hits uh as a, as a like again this is a this is a seller of aircraft uh but they're they they are taking a big hit uh, because of the bad publicity and the the negative effects, and it's just this failed project of Starliner that uh, that can't compete with SpaceX and can't compete with the Blue Origin from Amazon uh, for or from Bezos. So let's see, let's see if this thing gets in the sky this week, uh, and Starliner maybe links up with the space station or not. Yeah, um, given the fact that they. Like <laughs> they've been taking L's not just in space. Like they had that that whole airplane that liked to fly into the ground despite yeah, yeah. despite the yaw controls. Like they're they've been taking L's left and right. They're actually moving their headquarters out of Chicago, which I think has you know other financial implications. But I like they're they're not doing well. <laughs> they are not doing well. All right, and then uh, our last story and space story of the week is about. Sagittarius A, uh, which is black hole at the the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah, like they launched the thing. We're starting to get a bunch of pictures back, and then they say that these pictures have just like unlocked a whole nother treasure trove of questions they have about our you know understanding our universe. And you know w- when you learn about black holes as a kid, you don't think that you're going to have one like in your backyard. In your in your astral backyard, like, but I guess I guess there is one, and they're going to to really dive deep into looking at it. Like, I do love the fact that these pictures are getting so much better because you know I I, I look at my yeah, kids. It was a couple I, years ago, when when the uh, I think it's called the Event Horizon uh, Telescope team was able to capture the first image ever of of a black hole back in 2019. You know, we were doing that podcast at this time. We talked about it here on the Nerd Cantina for those OGs who've been listening that long. Uh, and then, you know, Event Horizon still, still out there capturing with similar resolution this new one, Sagittarius A, uh, black hole here in the Milky Way. Well, and I just, I love the fact that, like, you know, cause I, I look at my kids and, and like the world that they're growing up in, and it's so much different than the world we grew up in, right? Like, I fucking had a rotary phone at our house, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, True story. and these kids are growing up. And I remember being a kid and seeing pictures of black holes, right? And it was a black and white photo of like fuzzy shit with just like a perfect circle, black circle in the middle. 
you know, and then and they would point to it in school and be like, that's a black hole. And like everything it sucks in dies and blah, blah, blah. And this and light can't even pass through. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like the image of a black hole that my kid is growing up with shits all over our black hole. Shits all over it. You know, so the fact that they are going to have this, this vastly different understanding of outer space and our universe and like, I don't know, it's, it's, to me, it's just, it's pretty crazy, you know, the advancements that they're just going to take for granted, you know, like it, it, it's going to be real. I, I actually can't wait till one day when my daughter's a teenager and, and I explained to her that there was a large portion of my life where there was no fucking internet. Like there was just, just no internet. That was the thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and this is going to be another one of those things where she's like, you know, dad, you see this thing they found in space? And like, I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> You don't you don't get it, kid. You live in in the, like this this crazy time. All right, that's it. That's the week of news. It's the end of the speed round here to to close up some topics. All right, as always, join us over at the Nerd Cantina community over at thenerdcantina.com forward slash community. Find us over on Facebook. Follow us over on Twitter. Do whatever you can just to, mm. to stay up with the information and engage uh, as we share artic- articles, memes. Yeah, g- Comment on it all. <laughs> go, go buy an NFT of some pussy pomerias. <laughs> yeah, if, if you've got spare 175 grand laying around, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm. If this kind of like catches on and, and people are like the, the amount of just absurd NFTs that that can spawn from that, you know, like somebody's going to launch a whole line of shit growing out of his butthole and I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel bad. Say, I, like, there's already, <laughs> I promise you, I promise you right now I could go, I can go into some obscure NFT protocol or whatever else. And I'm going to find, I'm going to find people who have already made 3d art of something weird growing out, out of their fucking dick. Well, the only one, the only one that ass. we can, we really do stories on is people, you know, people had the dick rocket and like, yeah, we love that. that that, that was high quality art though that was was really high quality art like i'm talking there's gonna be some back alley butthole art (laughs) i bet you it already exists as a as a mimic of of this it already exists i guarantee you um and we're gonna find it for you folks and we'll bring it to you next week hard hard news over at the nerd cantina until next week talk to you later nerds (laughs) 